Advent is a remarkable time that we can sort of shut out the world and really focus with our families on the beauty of what's really been offered to us. There, there is nothing else in the world that can compare to what Jesus has done and what God is doing and the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And so Advent is just, it's just a time to really savor our faith. We do the Advent wreath and we do a lot of extra hymns and we do a lot of Advent activities, but we, we use it as a, a very focused time for our children to understand that not only was Jesus here as a person living sinless and dying for us and rising again, he is coming back and we can see how he's working, celebrating Advent season together as a family has become sort of a restoration time for our family where we refocus and refuel. And um, it's just, it's just a beautiful time to spend uh, really at the feet of the cross and, and waiting on the return of our Savior. Welcome back to the Homeschool Compass podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. Today we've got a conversation for you with Laura Molitier. Laura is a homeschool mom of two, and she's passionate about helping home educators step into their God-given capacity to provide a life-giving education to their children. She's going to share today what that looks like for her family during Advent how they slow down over the holiday season to create a sacred space for reflection and celebration, and some of the traditions that she's using to shape her family culture. As always, you can find links to everything Lara and I discuss at homeschoolcompass.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and please enjoy my conversation with Lara. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Would you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family and how you got started with homeschooling? I'm Laura Molitier and I blog at Everyday Graces Homeschool and we are the creators of the Homeschool Garden, Morning Time and a Gentle Advent Resources. And I sort of fell into homeschooling accidentally. I was one of those people that thought all homeschoolers were weird and they all wore denim jumpers. And um, I ended up being a homeschool mother's helper before my husband and I got married. And God really used that to show me that um, it was actually a remarkable way to disciple and educate your children and um, to really bring them up in the ways of the Lord. So over, over the years that I was doing that, it really sort of shifted my perspective and then um, to see how her children were thriving and how their relationship dynamic was so different. Um, that's sort of kind of what interested me in pursuing that. And then by the time we actually had children, um, my husband was fully on board too. Uh, the Lord works everything out for his good purposes, but uh, my oldest has some learning challenges and there really wouldn't have been a good way for them to address them even in a private school setting. And so um, we were able to use all these different resources that are available to homeschoolers now to help him um, overcome those challenges. And it's just, it's been a complete and total blessing. I have two boys. One is 11 and one is nine. 
and they're growing up way too fast. We we have some animal things that we do around here. We have our homeschooling. We do a lot of gardening and a lot of things outdoors. Um, the boys are very involved in trail life. And so we have a very full but quiet kind of life that we are able to accomplish through um, homeschooling and through the things that we do around our home. Mm. Full but quiet is such a great descriptor for homeschool. I love that. Are there any books or teachers or thinkers that have influenced your approach to homeschooling? How would you describe your homeschool style? We are very literature heavy. We love living books. Um, I am a big fan of Charlotte Mason. And as far as parenting, I would say Sally Clarkson has been my mentor, you know, along with, you know, thousands and thousands of other homeschool moms and in, in making sure that we don't lose our mothering to the educator portion of um, our lives. And um, Charlotte Mason's whole philosophy is based on the, the great recognition, which, you know, is that the Lord and the Holy Spirit are the imparter of wisdom. And we are just facilitating um, the planting of the seeds that the Holy Spirit helps grow. Those are probably my two biggest ones. And, you know, I've always been a reader. So any kind of book list type place has also helped a lot with our homeschooling. Sarah Clarkson has a, a book of books. One, she's got one for children. And then there's also the one that she wrote more recently that's for women um, called Book Girl. Both of those are really invaluable. Um, Honey for a Child's Heart, the uh, Read Aloud Handbook. There's so many different books that have just really helped us develop a very literature rich, but also diverse library and, and learning style for the kids. And so I would say, all of those have been super effective as far as regular books. My favorite, though, is still the Bible. I go to Proverbs every day. That's my favorite one um, because, you know, I just I feel like I always need the reminders of being wise and being gentle and um, being slow to speak sometimes, especially as we're entering that tween age where the boys haven't really developed that filter process yet. So if they get a little saucy about something, that's what comes out first. And so I have to have those reminders that I gently remind them, that's not how we're going to do this. And then, you know, when you do that in love, they come back usually more gently and you're able to, to really sort of move through parenting with Proverbs. A lot of our audience, Laura, is people who are relatively new to homeschooling. And I wonder, as you look back on your years of homeschooling so far, if you have any advice for people who are just starting out. Don't buy the curriculum first. <laughs> um, that That is definitely uh, one where I see a lot of people sort of stumble is that, you know, they find something that they think is going to be great that often looks like school at home. And they don't realize yet the the freedom that homeschooling allows where we are able to create an educational environment without having to sit at a desk for eight hours a day. And I think people really struggle, especially, you know, so many people right now were just kind of thrown into the homeschooling thing. They saw they could get back time with their kids and they liked that idea. But a lot of these people, I think last year were doing, you know, public school online, which was, you know, convenient option at that point. But now that they've seen that there's so much more, they're kind of moving into a more authentic home education experience. And so they, I think, tend to gravitate to whatever curriculum people are talking about in whichever Facebook group or Instagram influencer, you know, that they they follow along with. And that is such a stumbling block because you're going off somebody else's family at that point. 
I was guilty of that. We did a couple different math programs that other people had recommended. And I was so frustrated at the beginning because I was like, why is none of this working? And it was a twofold thing. One, it wasn't a good fit for my child. And two, we were dealing with learning difficulties that I didn't know were there. And so you get to that frustrated point and you kind of want to throw in the towel. And that's, that's, I think, where a lot of parents send their kids back to school. And then you've got the other side where, and I am stubborn. I'm a very stubborn person. The Lord is working on me still, but I dug my heels in. It's like, we are going to do this. We are going to figure this out. Um, And that's really when I started reading more Charlotte Mason. When you become a student of your children, you are able then to figure out what will appeal to them. And you can find a happy medium between how they learn and what feels most comfortable for you teaching wise. And when you, um, when you just give yourself that time to learn how they learn, to learn their interests, to really get to know them as God created them to be with their particular strengths and passions, you can make better choices in um, creating that educational environment. And so I really wish early on somebody had set me down and told me, don't start with the curriculum, start with your child, start with how they learn, start with how you teach, have fun together and gradually start adding academics into that. Because if you try to just start, (laughs) it it usually does not end well. Um, And even now um, we, we school pretty much year round so that we can take breaks when we want them. We can go do things when other kids are in school, but it also allows us to, um, to have consistency, which is something else that a lot of homeschoolers struggle with. But if you just keep, you know, doing the next thing, there's a lot of homeschoolers that do a four day week because we homeschool, we aren't tied down to that schedule. And so just sort of breaking free of the mindset that I have to have a curriculum. We have to be five days a week. We have to go nine months in a row and then take a three month break. If you can get away from all that first, you're going to have a much smoother start. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I love that encouragement to be a student of your child. That's something that has come up on this podcast over and over again, but that's such a great way to embrace the freedom and the flexibility that comes with homeschooling. You you can't just look at what someone else is doing and copy it onto your own homeschool. You have to work with the pieces that God has given you. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. We are coming up on the Advent season. And I know that's one of your favorite topics to talk about. I would love if you could tell people a little bit, if they aren't familiar, um, if you can just explain what Advent is all about. Yes, um, I love Advent. It's got very deep liturgical roots that go back, you know, throughout church history. The purpose of Advent is to reflect and to remember and to study the, the prophecies and the first advent or arrival of Christ as our savior. And then to look forward to his advent coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and our future with him and God, the father and the Holy spirit in the new heaven and the new earth. And it is just a remarkable time that we can sort of shut out the world and really focus with our families on the beauty of what's really been offered to us. There, there is nothing else in the world that can compare to what Jesus has done and what God is doing and the Holy Spirit working in us and through us 
And so Advent is just, it's just a time to really savor our faith. We do the Advent wreath and we do a lot of extra hymns and we do a lot of Advent activities, but we, we use it as a, a very focused time for our children to understand that not only G- was Jesus here as a person living sinless and dying for us and rising again, but he is coming back and we can see how he's working celebrating Advent season together as a family has become sort of a restoration time for our family where we refocus and refuel. And um, it's just, it's just a beautiful time to spend uh, really at the feet of the cross and and waiting on the return of our savior. Mm, That's so beautiful, Laura. Is this something you grew up with or did you come to this as an adult? I grew up in a very small Southern Baptist church and every few years, somebody would put an Advent wreath on the top of the organ. And that's really all I remember about Advent growing up. Um, I think for a long time, I wasn't even sure what that wreath was for. <laughs> and so um, it was definitely something that happened as an adult. My, my group of friends from different faiths was growing. Um, I have friends from the Catholic Church. I have friends from the Anglican Church, um, from the Orthodox Church. We have friends who are Messianic Jews. And so there was this rich heritage that all of these different denominations had that we had never really participated in. And so it got me to where I was studying more and trying to understand why. When you actually start looking into what Advent really means and why people celebrate Advent and why you've got this huge, you know, 24 days of Advent and then follow it with the 12 days of Christmas, it's it's just this beautiful um, sort of connection. It reminds you that we have this great cloud of witnesses around us that have already been through all this. They've already gone on, you know, to their their sleep in Jesus before, you know, he returns. And so we have this time to sort of celebrate and really focus in it, it grew on me. And then, um, I wanted it to be more tangible for my children. And that's when I started sort of creating a resource for us to use, because, um, I am one of those people, if I don't plan it out beforehand, it's not going to happen. (laughs) And so having that planned out and having something where, um, I knew each day, something that we could do, that would really sort of help my children understand and start this tradition early of both looking back and looking forward. It's just, it's been a really big blessing to our family. I now understand why so many different traditions do the Advent celebrations. What do you love most about celebrating Advent with your family? I know as homeschoolers, we have so many different resources and curriculum and materials that are available to us and Sometimes it's a little overwhelming, but why have you found this is worthwhile and prioritizing in your homeschool? So we actually, because there are so many resources, we we stick to what I call holiday schooling. And so from the week before Thanksgiving until the first week in January, we drop everything but math and whatever we're doing for our holiday studies. We do our Advent activities and our scripture studies. We listen to a ton of audiobooks. We do a lot of family service projects. One of our favorite things, we we ring the bell for Salvation Army. We we do a lot of cooking for neighbors. We have the boys do a lot more um, cooking in the kitchen with us during the holidays. And um, they're they're learning different parts of, you know, like our traditional family meals that they can make 
Um, so they're really a part of it and they are coming up with um, new ideas or looking up recipes for things that we can make for neighbors or take to, um, you know, the police station or the fire station and things like that. And so it's enabled a service mindset that the older they get, the further it carries out through the year after the Advent season. I think that's probably my favorite part is that I see them grow. Um, I see them grow in their faith. I see them grow in walking it out. And we have a lot of all the, like the activities and things, but we start every day with our scripture study. It's, it's just really remarkable over the years to see how their theological questions change and how their interpretations change and how they enact in their everyday life, the things that they are learning And um, you can really just sort of see the Holy Spirit working in them. And from year to year, that just grows and grows. And that would probably be my favorite part of Advent study is just being able to see how they are becoming men of God slowly, but surely. And um, it's just, it's exciting. It's also a little scary because of the times that we're living in. (laughs) It's really exciting to see them growing um, in their faith. It just speaks so powerfully to the impact of those little seeds that you plant over and over and over again. If you take just one day in isolation, it doesn't necessarily seem like it's making that much of a difference. But when you consistently keep planting those seeds over months and years, God uses that in such a powerful way. Yes. What does your Advent planning process look like? How do you decide what you're going to do in any given year? That's a great question. It it varies from year to year. I start my Advent planning usually in October uh, just to make sure that I have a full season. And I do actually, I I stick with a 24, 25 day rotation. So it's technically just from December 1st, December 25th. This year, Advent begins on November 28th. So our family Advent readings would start then, but we probably wouldn't start our activities until the first. But I also am not perfect. Shocking. I know. (laughs) I I don't think anybody is, but where the season is usually kind of busy, I count the 12 days of Christmas, which goes from, you know, Christmas day to January 6th, which is epiphany. I count those as grace days. So whatever we don't get done in the 24 to 25 days, we do over the next two weeks. Um, which has also helped a lot because that does kind of relieve some of the stress because you're going straight from Thanksgiving. And most of us spend the week before, you know, getting everything ready and cooking and doing all that to getting, uh, to, to going straight into Advent. And so if everything's already planned and taken care of, and I've got, you know, most of my supplies and everything by like a week before the week of Thanksgiving, I feel nice and calm and prepared. (laughs) That doesn't mean it's all going to go the way it's supposed to, but I at least feel like I'm in a good starting spot at that point. And so I've always tried to get the advent planning done early. It keeps everybody from feeling the stress of mom being stressed, trying to get things ready. I don't remember where I first heard that idea of the 12 days of Christmas being an actual part of the season that extends beyond just December 25th. But that was so liberating to me as a mom because I would always get to Christmas and think, oh, there were all these other books that I wanted to read and we didn't quite finish this activity. 
Um, but having that extra grace period kind of built into the season takes some of the pressure off. You don't have to have everything wrapped up and done by Christmas Day. You can just kind of linger in that spirit for an extra week or two. And that's been really helpful for our family. Yes. When we think about Advent being all about slowing down and rest and quiet and reflection, but then we're embedded in this culture that has so much frenzy around the holiday season. I wonder how you've found ways to be intentional about Advent without kind of getting swept up in that hustle and bustle of the Christmas season. I am ruthless when it comes to protecting our family time. So if, if we have something scheduled for our family night or if an event comes up that would interfere with us, say, having our family dinner together, um, most of the time I say no. And that's a really hard word for moms in general. We feel sort of guilty when we say no and we turn things down. And I think there's just too many options at this point in our culture. There's, you know, there's, there's Christmas parades, there's, you know, all these Christmas activities, there's um, church events, there are neighborhood events, we have all these opportunities to be busy. And um, I believe it's Heidi St. John, who said that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And because for us, I feel like this is a very sweet and special and slow and sacred time. Um, I guard it. And I, I think that's something that is definitely a matter of conscience. Um, but I think as Christian mothers, we really have to be prayerful at this point, what we allow through the gates of our home and what we allow to take the time up from our families. And so it's, it's got to be something that I think is super worthy and beautiful and good and true for us to add it to our schedule during the holiday season. There are certain concerts that I will always take my children to if we get the chance to go see the Messiah. We will go see the Messiah. There was a show a few years ago that um, was local that was a mall in the night visitors. And it was a phenomenal operatic um, version talking about, you know, the three kings. There, there are things that are worth, you know, maybe breaking out a little extra time from your schedule. But there's also a lot of things that are not. Um, you don't have to go to every light show that happens in a 50 mile radius. Home for us is kind of the important part. It's, it's where we are, um, where we're shaping our relationships, where we're loving well, where we have sort of this refuge set up for our children to experience as much childhood um, in a loving way and to experience, you know, the tough things with parental guidance and, um, our holiday season is much the same. It is a very focused time where we want to spend, uh, we want to spend the majority of our focus on Jesus, on loving like Jesus, on living like Jesus. One of the, the things several of my classical homeschool friends like to remind us of, especially this time of the year is memento mori. Everybody is going to die and it's not meant to be it's not meant to be sort of a morbid thing, but it's very much, you know, it, it's a shorter Latin way of saying, teach me to number my days that I might have a heart of wisdom. And so this time is a numbered time for us. We know that our children are growing fast. And when you look at it through that lens, it's much easier to say no. 
we have this tradition and this tradition is fostering growth in all of us. So this activity doesn't fit with us taking time from that. And on the flip side of that, you know, this activity is worthy. It It's, you know, beautiful. It's something that will build us up. Let's take time out to go do that. And so just sort of um, viewing everything through the lens of, you know, numbered days and making wise choices with our time really helps cut back on the busyness and the, um, the frantic feeling that a lot of us, I think, get during the holiday season. Yes. And just keeping pace with the Holy Spirit, right? His, his pace for us is restful and it's simple and it's often much slower than what our culture is telling us we should be doing. Um, but I love that word, Laura, just to keep that sacred space for our family and that we need to protect that. And sometimes it is a battle. We're creating these outposts of the kingdom of God in our homes. And um, that's something that's worth fighting for. Yes. And we, we have to fight hard for that sometimes. <laughs> One thing that has been helpful for our family is just to think through, I think it's Pam Barnhill that talks about what are your homeschool must-dos. And I think of that in terms of the Advent planning as well for our family. Just writing down a couple of key anchor points for me has been really helpful so that I don't just look at all of the things that I'm not doing. I can realize, oh yes, we did these things that were really meaningful to our family, but we can't do everything. No. And I think we have that, that push to do everything. You know, we, we are told by our culture that as women, we can work all the time. We can raise a family. We can um, make huge amounts of money on side hustles. And, um, you know, we can, we can decorate the house. We can cook everything from scratch all the time. And and so there's this, um, this push to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And um, I don't see that in scripture anywhere. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I, I try to remind myself a lot that, um, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, that was her lifetime. That wasn't a week or a day. That was her lifetime. And so, um, not every good thing is meant to be ours and not every good thing is meant to be ours right now. Well, Laura, I would love for you to share some of your favorite resources for using in your family during Advent and some of the things that you've created for families to use. Absolutely. We create a general Advent resources. We have a general Advent, which is sort of a traditional morning time, art study, copywork, poetry, tea times. Um, that was the very first one that we created. Um, it is a little bit more academic. It's like holiday school light. And then we have um, a general Advent Jesse tree, which follows the lineage of Christ. And there are a little, there's a little ornament every day that goes along with the scripture and the scripture journaling for the day. And it's got a lot of like really fun hands-on activities and it's good for the whole family. Most of the activities in there, we have uh, sort of a younger version and then an older version. And then we have a general Advent colonial Christmas, which um, as far as like the whole family can do together, it's probably my favorite. It's like children. I'm not really supposed to have a favorite, but I do. Um, not of my kids, of my Advent courses. <laughs> 
but um, the the activities in Colonial Christmas are really fun. There's some woodworking things in there. There are um, real colonial recipes and um, colonial history has always been one of my favorite things. And I think it kind of shows um, because that's the one I always gush over. But that one's, um, it's got a lot more history in it. And um, some of the activities are probably geared more, I guess, like eight years old and up. And then this year we have released Further Up and Further In, which is uh, geared for ninth grade and up. And it's based on Revelation and the second coming of Christ. And it follows uh, the silver chair and the last battle from the Chronicles of Narnia series. And so that one's more of a more of a deep study. Um, some of the other resources that we really enjoy are um, books. We always read, uh, we always either read through or listen to a Christmas carol. Um, and we have the version that has the ink pen illustrations. It's, uh, it's beautiful. And so there's, um, there's just, there's so many resources like that. There's also the, uh, the different musical things, you know, everybody loves to listen to the Messiah at Christmas. Um, we like going through and, um, picking, you know, one Christmas carol and finding, you know, six or seven different versions of it on YouTube, just to see um, like how, how different, um, different styles of musicians do the same song. We, uh, we do a lot of piano, both my boys um, play and I play. And so we, um, we do a lot of just singing carols around the piano. If you don't play piano, you can know it's easy to find the instrumental versions that you can sing with. Those are usually available online, but that, uh, that's one of the things that we enjoy. Uh, we do family movie nights. I love good family movies for, um, for like Advent downtime nights. So if you have like a Christmas party the next night, you really want to just sort of keep it low key. And so we, um, we always every year watch It's a Wonderful Life. We watch White Christmas. The boys absolutely love Elf. My youngest, my youngest eats like Elf, bless him. <laughs> if you don't watch him, he will actually drink maple syrup. Um, so, so, um, we do, we do a lot of fun things too, like baking wise. We often will do like the break and bake cookies and take them. There's a fire station about a mile down the road from our house. We'll take those, um, sometime during the holiday season and the boys love it because, you know, the firemen are always, you know, they'll show them the trucks and we've been doing it for years now. <laughs> and so it's just, it's one of the things they enjoy a lot of times on Christmas Eve or Christmas we'll take, um, cookies and like a couple boxes of Swiss Miss to the police station for the ones that are working over Christmas. Um, my boys have learned over the years that before Christmas comes, we always do a major clean out of anything that is uh, still in good condition toys that they just don't play with anymore, clothes, um, whatever, whatever doesn't need to stay in our home because it's not being utilized. That's in good condition. And we'll take it to um, like the local homeless shelters the, um, the Salvation Army here has a really big program for kids that they do every Christmas. Um, and then we usually do um, one or two children on the angel tree from our church. Those are, um, those are just different traditions that our family really enjoys. Um, we love celebrating St. Nicholas Day. My kids know the whole story about St. Nicholas. We read about all of the miracles attributed to him and, and discuss how some of them are probably not true. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of them that, you know, are just really remarkable. And just the fact that he gave up so much so that he could serve. And, um, you know, the stories about him at the council of Nicaea are also pretty funny. We do the gold coins and the oranges and the peppermint sticks, um, in their shoe. We always get them a new Christmas book. 
on St. Nicholas Day. And then um, St. Nicholas Day, we always do a family service project together. So um, whether it's ringing the bells, some uh, we, we've gone out and just returned buggies to, you know, the cart things in um, parking lots. We've done stuff with, you know, the soup kitchen and the food banks, just some way where we can all go and serve together. Um, sometimes it's interesting if the six is during the week, cause we have to do it around my husband's schedule, but that's, that's one of the days that we always make sure that we're doing something service wise. And it starts out fun with the boys getting their gold coins and stuff and talking about St. Nicholas. But then we, then we go out and we, we learn about being hands and feet, which is not nearly as glamorous as eating gold chocolate coins. <laughs> But all these little traditions are building, you know, anchors and when they're grown and gone and hopefully, you know, someday Lord willing have families of their own. We hope that some of these little points that we've done, they will continue on in their own families. It's very sweet as a mom to have those sorts of anchors. And um, so, you know, I would encourage whatever people want to do during the holiday season, I would encourage to have at least four different traditions for your family, uh, whether it's, you know, one family movie night, one night going out to sing carols with neighbors, just whatever, whatever is a good thing for your family. And they're not all going to look the same. It's just like curriculum. We're not all going to have the same thing, but I would encourage people to, to do that, to have, you know, a couple traditions that you do every year and it's never too late to start. I mean, even if your kids are teenagers, it's not too late to go ahead and start. And so I would, I would encourage people really to, to make it, um, make those anchors in your season so that your family, no matter how busy the rest of the season gets, still has those comfortable places that they can come back to. Do you have any resources that you use for yourself devotionally to kind of help center yourself during the season of Advent? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I really enjoy, um, doing the study with the boys in the mornings because that sort of, that gives me something extra to talk about with them throughout the course of our Advent season. But, um, I am a huge poetry person. I have always enjoyed poetry. Um, and one of my favorites is Malcolm Guy. He wrote a devotional called Waiting on the Word. He's got beautiful sonnets that he wrote to go along with the O Antiphons, which are um, like the seven big prayers that liturgical churches do through the season. And you can actually catch him reading it on his blog, which is uh, phenomenal. He's British, so it makes it even more fun to listen to. But um, I really enjoy Waiting on the Word. And then I've got O Come Let Us Adore Him by Paul David Tripp. That one's a really nice one as well. There's, there's a few people, Sarah Clarkson is one, but I've got a few people on Instagram that usually post poetry and artwork and things. Um, there's a couple different artists that I follow. They will post Advent specific posts during the season. And I really enjoy kind of following along with those. It's, it's a fun time to to immerse yourself in all the things that you don't normally take time for, especially as a mom. Um, And so the music, the candles, the simmer pots on the stove that make the house smell amazing, snuggled up under a blanket, reading something by the fire, whether it's fiction or poetry. I tend to reread books during Advent too, not necessarily Advent books, but I'll pick something that either I read earlier in the year and really liked and want to go back through again, or something that I read years ago that I want to go back through the Dean's Watch 
by Elizabeth Googe is one that I like to reread. Adorning the Dark, which is uh, by Andrew Peterson, is another one that I like to reread. And it's only been out a couple of years, but every time I read it, I get new stuff out of it. So um, I usually try to, to go through at least one Jane Austen because, you know, every, every season calls for at least one Jane Austen book. I try to set parameters for myself too, so that I don't get caught up in the busyness. And honestly, I can, I can get caught up in the wrong kind of busyness. I can get caught up where I'm baking for too many people or volunteering for too many things. And so I have to sort of make sure I'm reeling myself in as well. It's not just protecting time for the whole family, but sometimes I have to, you know, remind myself, you don't need to do one more thing. The, the bonus part, I guess, of Advent is that if you really immerse yourself in the season and in the study, it helps you remember pretty far out into the year after Advent is over that there is a quiet growing time, not just for our children in their childhood, but there are seasonal quiet growing times for us. You know, we have Ecclesiastes as a reference for that. You know, there is a time and a purpose for everything. There is a time to rest. And Advent gives us an extra opportunity, if we will take it, that we can um, we can rest and we can center ourselves around our family and we, we can all look to Christ together and find hope and refreshment and refueling that will carry us through the rest of the year when it's not such a season of quiet and rest. It's just a beautiful time to, you know, to let go of things that you don't necessarily need to be doing. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but a lot of times over Advent, I will realize that there are things that I have been doing that maybe I don't need to do, you know, certain activities or different curriculums that we've tried or methods that we've tried or, you know, just random things like, you know, maybe, maybe that isn't something that I need to be doing. And so we have this season of rest that allows us to reflect and to let go of the things that we need to let go of and to really focus on, um, you know, what God has in store for us, because we may have dreams that haven't come to fruition yet. That doesn't mean that they're not God's dreams for us. That just means that our timing is different than his. <laughs> and so we have that practice of pausing and waiting and um, trusting. And I think I think the Advent season is a great way to sort of lean into that and remember that if we will trust in his timing, then that sort of frantic feeling will, will also subside. Yes, you're receiving Advent as a gift instead of as another thing that I have to add to my already way too busy life. It's a time to nourish your soul. We need those things, the candles and the music and the art and the beautiful stories that does something for us if we will let it. Yes, I think that's that's one of the hardest parts of being a grown up is remembering that uh, we are not in control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter how hard we want to be, we are not in control, and that um, that is another, I guess, really good benefit of Advent is it reminds us of how faithful God is. He He's not going to leave us where we are. He's not, you know, He's not going to make us suffer for nothing, and it's just. It's so remarkable to be able to reflect on all the goodness and, and the justness and the, the beautiful aspects of God through the whole season and, and his unchangingness. You know, we, we live in a world where there's so much turmoil and there's so much chaos, but we, we know that our Lord is unchanging. And so 
the reassurances of that, I think, um, come every time we open our Bible. If, if somebody's out of the habit of Bible study, Advent is a great time to get back in it. Um, I don't think anybody's ever too old to learn something new. And so um, I, would, I would encourage everybody to, uh, to really sort of dig in and learn more about what Advent truly is about and how celebrating it sort of refreshes yourself and um, helps you remember that God is faithful and that He is coming again and that we can look forward to that day. This has been such a rich conversation, Laura. Thank you so much for sharing what your family's Advent practice looks like and some of the traditions you incorporate and the heart behind it. If people would like to connect with you more, where can they find you online? We are online at everydaygraceshomeschool.com and you can find us on Instagram at Laura's Place. We're so grateful to each of you who listen to these conversations and share them with your friends and family. If you have a moment, we'd love for you to tap those five stars and write us a quick review. It really does help other homeschool families find the show. You can find the complete show notes for this episode at homeschoolcompass.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, remember you are loved and you are not alone.